The Defense Department has at long last released a proposed acquisition rule dealing with what for contractors is the dreaded lowest priced technically acceptable. Does it satisfy professional services contractors who felt especially beset by DOD buyers' reliance on LPTA? Joining me with his take, Professional Services Council CEO David Berto. And David, that's the question this morning, the proposed rule that came out. Does it meet what professional services contractors feel it should. Well, thank you, Tom. It's been such a long path to get here. You know, we we go back, actually, uh, there was guidance issued inside DOD more than four years ago that says don't use LPTA except when it's appropriate and laid out some criteria for how that appropriateness could be determined. That guidance was essentially ignored uh, out in, in the field as DOD did its contracts going forward. And so at PSC, we pushed to get language in the National Defense Authorization Act. And how long ago that language became law, it was actually signed by Barack Obama. So that gives you a sense of how far back we're talking about. It required DOD to implement within 120 days. Um, Two years later, they still hadn't done it. Uh, GAO actually put out a report uh, criticizing them for doing it. Maybe they meant Jupiter days or something. (laughs) We we, – well, Jupiter, I think, rotates in nine nine days and uh, nine hours actually. So they did miss the Jupiter timetable as well. The uh, um, but the, the the PSC then sent a letter into DOD back in November twentieth that says, please get on the ball with doing this. And on December fourth, we actually saw uh, DOD finally issued the implementing uh, implementing rule as a as a proposed rule that we could comment on, and we provided those comments on February first. It largely implements the law by laying out the criteria that have to be met. Um, the real question comes, it, it seems like the hard part was getting it into the, the Defense Federal Acquisition Regulation Supplement, into the rule. But the real challenge is going to be implementing it uh, because you know there's tens of thousands of contracts issued on a regular basis and, and there's no good monitoring system. So we're going to rely on our members to report to us where DOD seems to be inappropriately using LPTA. Obviously, we want to get the rule out very quickly, but it's the enforcement and the implementation that's going to be critical. Was the rule delayed by the shutdown? I don't think the rule was delayed by the shutdown. There are varying stories as to why it took so long for DOD to get this rule out. Um, As you know, the president put in this two-for-one rule and a freeze on regulations, so new processes had to be followed. Um, There's some indication, though, that there was some resistance within DOD, within the bureaucracy, LPTA is easy from a bureaucratic sense point of view. It's easy to tell what is a low price. What's hard to tell is what are your actual requirements? Will the contract meet those requirements? And how do you define those requirements and put them into evaluation criteria? What is the status of it? It's a proposed rule. What's the timetable for it becoming permanent? Well, DOD never commits exactly to a timetable because they want to be open to the possibility that comments could lead them to make some changes. But it's fairly straightforward. The statute's pretty straightforward. One of the things that we note, though, in our comments is that a year later, so the original DOD prohibition on inappropriate use of LPTA was in the fiscal year 17 National Defense Authorization Act. We then at PSC pushed for and were successful in getting a government-wide constraint on the use of LPTA in the fiscal year 18 National Defense Authorization Act. That would require a FAR clause, not a DFARS clause, so it'd be government-wide. We urge DOD in its rule to incorporate the language that govern government-wide so you won't have a disconnect between the DOD version of the rule and the federal version of the rule. Basically, you're satisfied with what they've come up with for a proposed rule and support it? We support the proposed rule, and we really focus on getting it implemented quickly and then 
tracking the execution. We're speaking with David Berto, CEO of the Professional Services Council. And I want to switch gears here a minute and ask you a, just a follow-up question on the government shutdown when many contractors were not being paid. What's your sense of the status of things at this point? Well, you know, the government's been reopened now for a couple of weeks. So there were nine cabinet agencies and a host of other federal agencies and entities that were affected by the partial shutdown. Um, they are essentially still recovering. Uh, we have some members who have received payment for, for invoices that were due. Um, some of the contracts that were stopped or skipped have been back in place, but others are not. And there's still a very spotty effort there. And, and so we have a lot of members who are still vulnerable, both in terms of the cash impact and in terms of the future workload impact. So we continue to work the government to do three things. One is get those invoices paid, get the companies healthier again. Number two is get back to the work so you got new proposals, et cetera. And number three is there's still a need for equal treatment of government contractors with the government civilian workforce by compensating people for their missed, missed compensation. And now we have the news that the White House is delaying by more than a month from the statutory presumed deadline for the 2020 budget submission. That's not till mid-March. What's your take on the impact of that delay? Well, the, the delay in itself is, is not good because it compresses the timetable to actually get an appropriations in place so that we get to October 1, which is you know less than eight months away now, and, and have the ability to start executing government functions in the fiscal year 2020. Um, but it's complicated by the fact that there's no actual agreement either in the Congress or between the Congress and the administration over what those spending levels should be in fiscal year 20. There are budget caps that are in place. Those budget caps are the law unless they're modified. They've always been modified, so we expect them to be modified again. But the timetable to get that in place is much, much shorter now. And, and each month that it delays makes that harder. Yeah, it just gives Congress less time to fail to do their work on time, you well, might say. Well, exactly. And, of course, as, as, as you and I are talking, we don't even really have an agreement on fiscal year 19 yet. So getting an agreement on fiscal year 20 is kind of hard until you get 19 nailed down. Yeah, although for DOD, I guess we're okay for 19. But I, that's, I expect a battle for 2020 on DOD. The gap is huge. And, and you you've, historically, we've changed the caps with a combination of increases in defense and corollary increases, we call it parity, in the non-defense agencies. That's the only way you get to the votes uh, in the Congress, so we have to have that. Sure, and with the purported wind-down in Afghanistan and Syria, that lowers the, I guess, maybe brings the rocks to the surface of the OCO, of the Overseas Contingency Operations Funding, if there are much less in the in terms of OCO. Right. And, and we've actually been through this before. We've had drawdowns in Iraq, drawdowns in Afghanistan, reductions in, in the Overseas Contingency Operations, or OCO as it's now called. I actually don't think they even pretend that it's either overseas or contingency anymore. Uh, it's not subject to the caps, and so it is in a way around the Budget Control Act caps, but it's a very ineffective way and very inefficient way to do it because it's one-year money and you don't have a program that's built underneath it. So it will put some pressure on that. We don't know how much or when. And of course, in between all of this is the reaching of the debt ceiling, which is going to spark another debate probably in Congress. What about the projects going on in the federal government that are just normal projects to improve government services, to improve agency operations, to make DOD more lethal? Do you sense that there is continued emphasis on the real work? I think there definitely is continued emphasis on the real work. And one of the benefits, as you point out, not only does the Defense Department have a full-year appropriation for 19, but many other agencies do as well. VA 
Health and Human Services, Labor Department, Education Department, Army Corps of Engineers, the Energy Department. And so that work is still ongoing. And even for the agencies that are operating under a continuing resolution, it's at a fully funded level. So the support for the work when the CRs are in place as opposed to when there's a shutdown is robust. Um, the challenge comes that as you get closer to FY20, if there's no agreement and there's a possibility the funds will be lower in fiscal year 20, agencies and programs may begin to slow down a little bit. We're going to encourage them not to do that because we want to get that important work out there and done. Sure, because a lot of agencies continued work during the shutdown using sources other than direct appropriations. But I imagine those funds are drawn down now because of the shutdown and might not be available to the agencies should another impasse happen. We don't have any data that would reflect that, but it is our belief that, in fact, you're right. You know, a lot of appropriations have a life of more than one year. They call it a period of availability. Unfortunately, the government doesn't actually release what that period of availability is by account until after the year is over and it's been executed. Uh, but we can operate under the assumption that there's adequate funding available to do the work necessary as long as the government is open and allowing that to take place. David Berto is CEO of the Professional Services Council. As always, thanks so much. Thank you, Tom. See you next time. We'll post a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.